You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered in iTunes and online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you make smarter trades. So thanks so much for tuning in today. I know it's been actually probably about two or three weeks since we've published a new podcast, but it's been so crazy busy uh, with all the new changes that we're doing to the website as far as making it more mobile responsive, easier to navigate, better sections. Um, we're just, you know, taking a lot of the feedback that you guys have given us over the last couple of months and, you know, making this kind of, you know, 3.0 update to the membership area. And that includes also changing the way that we do our membership. So we change, um, for those of you who are members or not members, we change the way that we just even named our membership levels. And it's a small change, maybe on the outside, but for me, it's a big thing because I want the membership names even to reflect the type of service that we want to provide. So we went from basic and premium to pro and elite. Again, very small, subtle change, but to me, it means everything because that's the type of service that we want to provide. We don't want to just give you a basic membership or a premium membership. We want to provide you know, professional features or pro features and then another step up being the elite category with the monthly coaching calls and the live Q&A sessions and all of that stuff. So we've been doing a lot of changes, but we're going to get back to a lot of these podcasts. We've got an awesome interview set up next uh, week for um, the next time slot, episode number 33. But in this week's show, I want to talk specifically about the top 10 mistakes people make setting financial goals. And I know what you're thinking on the outside, right? You're thinking, I've heard this whole thing about goals before and you know, I don't really subscribe to it. Or maybe I do, but maybe you do it half, you know, kind of you know, half, right? You, you do a little bit of it and then it kind of withers away and you don't really do much of it later on. And maybe you get back into it at the beginning of the year or halfway through the year. But I want to tell you from personal experience that over the last year and a half, I've really made it a mission of mine to go 100% into this goal setting thing. And I've changed everything that I do with goals. I've read tons of books about goals and uh, you know, achievement and high level achievers. And I've done so many different things around goal setting that I wanted to share what I've learned in this process. Because it's funny when I even go back and look at the goals that I've set for myself this year, I've already achieved most of the financial goals and goals with the membership and with my trading this year alone, halfway through the year. And it's because I've been doing the things that we're going to talk about here today. So I would encourage you maybe wipe your slate clean, all the preconceived notions that you have about goal setting, and really dig down deep into these. Maybe choose five or six that you can start to implement right now. But I can tell you it has drastically changed the trajectory of me and my wife's finances and the website and our business and our rental properties. Everything that we're doing now has changed because of how I set goals and how I you know, take care of goals every single morning. So let's start off here with number 10. So we're going to work backwards down the list here, make sure that we get to all of the things that I think are really, really important for why people make mistakes setting financial goals. So number 10 is that they don't make them personally compelling. So this is a really easy one to do, right? You have to phrase the goal, whether you write it down or you read it or you have it in your mind, it's got to be personally compelling to you. It's got to be something that is going to stick with you every single day and it's got to kind of fit into your overall maybe life plan or life purpose whatever you want to call it but 
You've got to have goals that are meaningful enough for you to want to wake up in the morning and go after them. If you have a goal that, you know, you just want to lose weight, but it's kind of this, you know, goal that's far out and it's something you might want to do in the future. Maybe it's not so personally compelling, but maybe you want to lose weight so that you're healthier for your kids. Or maybe you want to lose weight so that you can run a marathon with your wife or your husband. That's more of a personal compelling goal. So I think that when people start out, they set these goals that are just very generic and they don't make them personal enough for themselves. Number nine is that you don't identify the next action. I could even say that this could be kind of moved up in the list, but I put it at number nine because I think this is one of the things that people don't do with goals is that they set a goal and then they just assume that by setting it, let it be said, let it be written, let it be done, right? That you set it and now magically, you know, some miracle is going to happen and now this goal is going to be completed over the time frame that you've allowed. But the reality is, is that you need to break down that goal into an action plan. And I think that there's a lot of different books out there and different authors that go over this about how to break down these goals into different actions. And it starts by, you know, kind of doing the you eat an elephant one bite at a time methodology, meaning that a big goal can be broken down into yearly goals, then monthly goals, then weekly goals, daily goals, and even hourly goals as you try to move towards that goal. And it makes it much easier because now you're working towards something that is very far out in the future and maybe very big, but you're taking little bite-sized chunks out of it every way. Okay, so number eight is that you don't assign a due date to the actual goal. Now, this is so important because we know that everything gets sacrificed on the altar of urgent, meaning that if you have a deadline at work or in your family, you forced, or you're forced to pay attention to that deadline and to what's important to get it done. And if there's no deadline, then we all know that it's very easy to procrastinate and not do it, right? If there's no set time, it's just sometime in the future or sometime later on, then there's no sense of urgency for us to actually do it. So I say set a definitive date for each and every goal that you make. And I'll give you an example. So earlier this year, as we were getting through winter, I knew that we had our family vacation planned with my wife's family to the Outer Banks and we go to the beach every year. All the kids, it's really fun, great just to hang out for a week. And I knew that I wanted to be in better shape than I was, or I wanted to be in better shape then than I was maybe going through the winter, lose a little weight, gain a little muscle, work out more. And so I set a definitive date. It was June 20th that we left for the beach for a week. And so that for me was my urgent, important date. And I had to work towards that one single date because that to me signified either success or not, being ready for the beach and feeling good about going down to the beach and being in a swimsuit. And you all know how that feels, right? Okay, so you gotta make sure that you set due dates for each and every one of your goals. Number seven is that they don't make them measurable. So this is, again, another big one that I find with people who just don't find success. And and I didn't find success until I really started making my goals 100% quantifiable and measurable. It's easy to say that you want to lose weight or in trading that you want to make money, but you have to set a number for that. You want to lose 25 pounds or you want to earn 10% or you want to do 5% better than you did last year you got to have some sort of way of quantifying your goal on some level. If it's a relationship goal, you want to go out on five dates over the next three months with your spouse, right? you got to have some way of saying, I met that goal and I can easily track and go back and see my success because then that leads you into a positive reinforcement cycle that you start making goals you can achieve and you start seeing that you can actually achieve them because they're measurable and they're trackable. And then that leads you to making bigger and better goals in the future. 
Number six is that they don't make them specific. So again, goals that are written down have to be 100% specific. And I even say that this kind of goes with number nine, which is that you don't identify the next action, but you need to identify a goal that is 100% specific and maybe even the next couple steps beyond what that goal is. So if your goal is to start a new business or to you know, increase your sales at your company, you got to have the next five or 10 steps laid out on how you're going to get there and specific steps. You got to gain six new accounts by X date and you got to, you know, open up three new branches by X date and they have to be profitable by three months out or whatever it is, but you got to have them ultra, ultra specific so that you know exactly what you're working for. And this helps you not procrastinate because it's right there on paper in writing. You know exactly what you're working for. Number five is they only set goals for one area of their life. This is a huge one. I often found that most of my goals early when I got started in doing online business with the website and with trading and with real estate is I was all centered around finances and you know making more money and being more profitable and all that stuff. And what I realized, although hard later on, is that I have to set goals in all areas of my life. And that's going to give me a lot more balance. So now I set goals spiritually with my church and what I do there, physical goals with working out and making sure that I'm fit, you know, goals with my daughter, goals with my wife. I set all kinds of different goals around my life. It's not just in one area because for me now I realize more than ever that success is not just about making more money trading or about how much money is in the bank account or how many properties we own but it's more about the overall lifestyle that we have here together. And I think that's really, really important as you start to develop new goals is make sure that you have different areas in your life that you're starting to set and achieve goals in. All right, now before we get into the last four, which I think are really the most important, I wanna take a break here and just recap where we've been. So number 10 is that people who make mistakes or don't set financial goals properly, they don't make them personally compelling. Number nine is that they don't identify the next action step for every single goal. Number eight is that they never assign a due date. There's got to be a definitive date in the future in which that goal has to be met. Number seven is they don't make any of their goals measurable. You've got to be very specific with what you want to achieve with your goal. Number six is that they don't make them specific enough as far as the goals that are written down and what they want to achieve and all the steps that are in between. And number five is that they only set them for one area of their life. They only set them for their physical or their relational areas or financial areas. They never set them completely, which then gives you more balance and helps you achieve all of your goals at one time. Now, before we get into number four, three, two, and one, again, just as a reminder, today's freebie for the podcast is our Answer Vault copy. It's a 69-page copy of our complete answer vault. It's got 114 plus questions and specific answers from our community at Option Alpha. It's a completely free download. All you have to do to get it is go to optionalpha.com slash answers. Again, optionalpha.com slash answers. And we'll link to it in the show notes page, which is optionalpha.com slash show 32. That's just the number 32, optionalpha.com slash show 32. Now, number four from our top 10 list here is that they create too many goals. So this is actually a little bit you know, different because we want to create a lot of goals. And I know that when you start planning out all these goals, there's so many things you want to do, right? You want to do this and that and all that. You want to do all the things under the sun. But the reality is, is that we need to focus and narrow that spectrum of goals down to just a few. 
And I think it's really uh, a good way to say it is through this old Chinese proverb that says that a man who chases two rabbits catches neither, right? And it's not that we shouldn't have more than one goal, but you should have in each area of your life maybe one or two goals going at that time, right? And again, make them maybe shorter time frames. They don't have to be as long of a time frame. They can be, you know, shorter kind of milestone goals where they kind of, you know, stair step you or progress step you to your next goals. So I really recommend in each area of your life, maybe one or two big goals and then break those down into the action steps. Number three is that they don't write them down. I mean, this is a huge one. I really never did this until about a year and a half ago. And again, completely changed my life having written goals down every day. And more importantly, I think you have to read and look at those goals on a daily basis. So my new routine is to get up really early in the morning, which is really nothing different because my daughter gets up early, but now I'm up a little bit earlier than her. Have a couple cups of coffee because Lord knows I need that. And then I start going through my goals first thing in the morning. It's literally the first thing I read. I don't open up email. I don't check uh, you know, member support tickets. I don't do any of that until I go through my goals because I need to know every single day what I'm working towards. And that helps me by having them written down and then committing to reading them at least once a day. And believe me, it was really tough in the beginning to do that, but it takes five minutes of your time to just review those goals every day. I have them right on my phone. And then I'm able to then just go through my day knowing that I have those in the back of my head. Number two is that people severely underestimate the time and effort it takes to reach their goals. Again, I think this is one of those things where people, when they start goal setting, and I know I did this in the beginning as well, is that I kind of feel like it's this, you know, let it be said, let it be done thing, right? We hear this thing about, or these stats about people who write down goals and then they reach their goals, but it's not just about writing down your goal or having goals. I think people really underestimate and severely underestimate the time and effort it takes to reach their goals. For me, I know that I've had huge goals for the website and for my trading and for our real estate business that we have, and it's taken a couple of years to get there, and it's taken a ton of effort on my part and my wife's part, but now that we're there, I realize that the next time I set a goal like that or the next step up in our goals, that I have to increase my effort and my time 10x in every area so that I can reach that goal maybe faster. Now I realize that it takes so much more effort and time to reach our bigger goals, so I'm just more prepared. It's not that I can't go after them, it's not that I don't wanna go after them, I just need to be more prepared in going after them, realizing how much time and effort. All right, and the number one reason why people make mistakes setting financial goals is that they always reduce their targets. So I say never, ever reduce your target. There is never a goal that you cannot hit. So what I say instead is that instead of reducing your targets, you need to increase your actions. If you're not seeing enough success fast enough, or if you're not hitting your targets by your due dates, then that means that you haven't taken the appropriate action. And you you need to either change what you're doing to go after that goal, or you need to increase your actions. So if you're working in a sales job at a company and you're selling products or softwares or real estate or whatever, and you're not hitting your goals, well, that means that you're either focusing on the wrong areas or you're just not doing enough of the right actions to get there. So I say the number one reason why people fail at making financial goals and setting goals is that they end up reducing their targets when they miss. I say instead, keep that same target and increase your actions until you get there. Because if you reduce your targets and reduce your goals, you get into this negative cycle of telling yourself and realizing that you can't achieve what you set out to do. So I say make big goals, 
set them big, and then increase your actions and efforts to get there. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so I hope you guys enjoyed that little spiel on setting goals. Again, I think it's really, really important that we all do that. If you want, I would love to see what your guys' goals are. You can share them with us on the actual show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show32. Please go over there. Let me know what your guys' goals are. I think it would be really cool to share them and other people to see them. I'll definitely be posting some of my goals after you guys post some of yours. Um, and I think that, again, setting goals is a huge, huge part of what I think to be you know, part of my success right now in my life with my family and with our real estate and trading and the website is this ability to sit down every single day, review my goals, and then go after them you know, with a ton of effort and a, a ton of, you know, you know, action steps that we've put together. So in today's closing bell, I want to go over a new trade that we're placing today for IBM. So IBM's earnings are actually coming out tomorrow after uh, or today after the close. Um, so whenever we did this recording, um, this is when IBM was actually announcing earnings. Stock right now is trading about 172 and a half. So it's a bigger priced security. So it's a little bit more expensive. It doesn't mean that we can't trade it. it. Just means that we have to really do things on a risk-defined level here for IBM. For an earnings trade, we want to see implied volatility above that 40th percentile or above that 50th percentile. But at the 53rd percentile, it's really kind of just above, right? We're not talking about a trade like Yum, which we made a couple days ago, where implied volatility was in the hundredth percentile. We're talking about a stock that has implied volatility that's just marginally above where it should be on average. And so this presents a little bit of a challenge for us as we get into an earnings trade because we don't want to skip this trade. It's definitely a trade that we should make. It's a liquid stock, big name company, but we want to be strategic about how we select a strategy. So in this case with IBM, what we're going to do is we're going to decide to go with an iron condor instead of doing something more aggressive like a strangle or straddle. And again, the reason that we're doing the iron condor is because we want to do it risk-defined, meaning that we want to know exactly how much money we can make or lose heading into the trade. And we just don't know if this 53rd percentile implied volatility rank means that we're going to have some sort of earnings surprise by IBM that the market really hasn't fully priced in the expected move in IBM. So in our case, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the option chain for the weekly options which expire this week. So again, in all of the earnings trades that we're going to do uh, over the course of our membership, and if you're a member, you know this, but if you're not, this is how we do our earnings trades. Uh, we will definitely look at the, the closest contracts that are available, whether those are the weeklies or the expiring monthlies. Those always have the biggest opportunity to see a drop in implied volatility, and it happens the quickest because of earnings, and usually has the most volume and liquidity surrounding kind of the earnings event. So in this case, we're going to look at the weekly options for IBM that expire in four days. So they expire this week, but they're going to see a rapid drop in implied volatility. Again, stock is currently trading at 172 and a half. And so what we're going to do is look at the option chain and we can see inside of our Thinkorswim platform here that the expected move around earnings or how much the market expects the stock to jump about 70% of the time is $6. So the market is expecting IBM on this particular announcement to move about $6 up or down about 70% of the time going forward in the future. So we want to be outside of that expected move. We want to start placing our strategies outside of that move 
so that we know exactly how much probability of success we have. So our ideal situation is to sell an option both above and below the market, $6 out on either end. So what we can do here is we can actually sell about the 165s, which are about $7 outside the market down below on the put side. So we can sell the 165 puts, and then we can go above the market and we can sell about the 180s. So that'll give us a pretty good range here on either end to get outside of that $6 expected move. And on both ends here, we do the 165, 160 uh, put spread, and we do the 180, 185 call spread on the top side of the market, and we can take in a premium that's about a dollar. So it's a pretty good premium on a $5 wide spread. We're getting outside the expected move, and we've got a very high chance of success. This trade probably has about a 72, 73% chance of success based on where the stock is trading right now pre-market. So looks like it'll be a good trade. That's the trade that we're going to put in and we'll see what happens when IBM announces and opens up trading on uh, tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, I truly hope you enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and any related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show32. That's just the number 32, optionalpha.com slash show32. And hey, could you do me a favor? If you like today's show, please head over to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. It is honestly, hands down, the best way to get the show into the hands of those who need it most, people just like yourself, and I would be extremely grateful. Finally, you can get today's freebie, which is our Answer Vault Guide, 114 specific questions and answers from our community by going to optionalpha.com slash answers. Until next time, happy trading.